Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Hey everyone, my name is Chris Lambert. On this channel, we talk Kanye West. And today I'm doing a initial first response to Genius Part 1 Vision. Uh, it just premiered at Sundance a little bit ago and you were able to watch it online. It turns out online tickets have sold out, which is a little surprising. So there's going to be a second screening on like 9 a.m. on the 25th. Uh, but that screening has sold out. So you're going to have to wait until February 10th to watch it in movie theaters or Netflix on February 16th. We'll be able to watch part one. But I wanted to give some thoughts uh, since I did watch it. I know there are people that don't mind some spoilers, want to hear about it ahead of time. And uh, just like overall, I really like loved it, enjoyed it. It was fascinating. Um, I think it's going to be something that is ever watchable it's not something where you can watch it once and you're just like all right i saw that i never need to watch it again it's something that i feel like fans especially are going to watch and be able to just rewatch. you'll be able to put it on and just have it on as like background there's something very comfortable and comforting about it to where it's i don't know it's very uplifting in some ways too because that's one of the things about Ye that's made him such a fascination in pop culture, right? That's made him the figure that he is, is that underdog story, that legendary, almost <laughs> mythologized confidence and the rags to riches story that we hear on the college dropout. He's outside the game. He's a kid from Chicago and he managed to work his way up and through and into the system uh, to come out the other side as one of the largest uh, musical artists to ever be part of the industry and transcend even being just a musical artist into uh, the polymath that he is today. And being part of that journey and witnessing it, there's something incredibly inspirational about that, which is why his story has already been so inspirational. So you have like the nonfiction story that's passed on right the word of mouth legend that we all kind of know and you have that in the musical form in the college dropout but up until this point we've never had a visual telling of that you have it in other movies right the underdog story of certain characters of heroes what have you but to have like yay's story chronicled in this way is very compelling especially because yay is so charming in the documentary <laughs> like he's very fun like he he's a he's a kid at times like, taking his retainer out and putting it on a counter and scarface is there and being like what are you doing? Like, don't put that there. <laughs> uh, so you can still see that, that this is like a young man uh, doing some young man things. There's a, there's a scene where he buys and there's going to be like spoilers throughout here. So if you don't want any details, then don't watch this until after you've seen it. Uh, but there's a scene where he buys like a porn mag. <laughs> like, he just like goes and grabs one from a, a, like a vendor, a street vendor in New York City where they charge him $8 for the magazine. He's like, $8? So you have these like young, young moments from Ye. But he's like very passionate. He's very emotional. He's very friendly to people. He's very kind to people. 
throughout most of it, like you're not really seeing a bad side of Kanye. Like you're seeing a sad side of him at times because uh, some of the most compelling scenes, uh, one of the most is Ye goes to Rockefeller. Like we see him working and all falls down, right? And well, maybe I should back up a little bit. Okay, back up a little bit. The documentary starts off with how Cootie got into this, right? Who he was, what he was doing in Chicago at the time, stand-up comedy, hosting a show, and it was documenting Chicago hip-hop in a time when no one else was, which is really cool. And then he meets Ye and becomes fascinated with Ye. They meet at Jermaine Dupri's birthday party and then sees him again and is just like, this guy has something. Oh, when he was interviewing other people, they kept mentioning Kanye. Like, oh, we got beats from Kanye. Shout out Kanye. Like, it's just Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. And so he's like, yo, I'm going to go see this guy again. And it's just like, oh. <laughs> so then Ye uh, sells H the Izzo, like that beat to Jay Z. And Cootie is aware of this when Jay premieres H. The Izzo at one of the award shows, right? He knows, oh, this is the beat that Ye played for me. The first beat that Ye ever played for me. And now Jay has it. Okay, like I need to fly out to New York City right now and start my documentary of Kanye because he's going to become something. And you're going to see a lot of reviews. A lot of people make the comparison to Hoop Dreams, as Cootie himself even mentions Hoop Dreams as being one of the inspirations for this, which was a Steve James documentary uh, that highlighted, I think it was two kids from Chicago uh, who were star, like promising star basketball players. And he spent like five years or seven years following their careers throughout middle school and high school and seeing what happened to them in the aftermath. Did they make it to the NBA, right? And it's quite the journey and tale of dedication and struggle and racism and like education systems. It's really an epic, uh, one of the coolest things I've ever watched. But uh, you know, he saw something in terms of that landscape for Ye. This is going to be a multi-year project. I'm going to document him closely. So Cootie goes out to New York and starts filming. Um, and it's when he's like getting there that he starts hearing All Falls Down being like performed, right? It's one of the first scenes we get of Ye in New York. And uh, it's funny because at one point he talks about how he told these people that his name's Kanye West and specifically to put his name as Kanye West and they just called him Kanye. And he's like, you know, what are they What are they doing? You don't have Jermaine Dupree going somewhere and you're just like, here's Jermaine. And it's just funny thinking about how he goes from that, like it's Kanye West, to later in the doc talking about how he might drop the West from his last name and just be Kanye to now just being yay <laughs> so there are even some of these things that are really relevant to 2022 yay that you see starting to be like a talking point or uh, a happy coincidence as early as 2000 right but you have the scene so getting back to what i was saying you have the scene where he goes to rockefeller with a demo tape for all falls down and this is similar to what he talked about in last call where he talks about how he played these executives jesus walks he's like i played them jesus walks and no one wanted to sign me which you know given the time frame of what we see in this documentary we don't see a finalized version of uh jesus walks leading up to him getting signed. Like the first part of the doc ends with him getting signed and being on stage, Jay-Z introducing him. I think it's in Chicago and he's just like, yo, I'm part of the rock, uh, that speech, which you can find online. But uh, 
he goes to the offices with all falls down and is playing all falls down. He, like he walks into this woman's office, puts in the CD, hits play and starts rapping for her, and she's just sitting at her desk. Not like bobbing her head, not giving him anything. And eventually other people from the hallway come in. And I don't know if you've ever seen it at like a bar where a guy goes up to hit on a girl and you can just tell that it's not going well. She's not interested. He's not picking up that she's not interested. And somebody finally comes, like some of the girl's friends come and rescue her or a kind stranger pretends to be a friend and rescues and just like interrupts or the guy's friends come and are just like you need to leave like come on uh it's kind of like that because a few people enter the room start talking to the woman and yay just gives up right because she's completely ignoring him like the other people are talking and he just goes and gets a cd and bounces to another office and plays it for someone else and the same exact thing happens they don't care and then yay just leaves and you can see the disappointment on his face how like he sold these big songs, he has this reputation, he's playing this beat and people don't care. And he's rapping and people don't care. He's not getting that deal. So you're having this whole inspirational journey play out. You have Donda's appearance and Donda's like everything that you expected. <laughs> like Donda's become like pretty legendary for a lot of people, right? And a lot of Kanye fans didn't become Kanye fans till after her passing. So especially with it being, what, 14 years since she passed, uh, there's a lot of people that don't even know, like the earlier clips of her and Ye or the interviews that she did with him on Oprah or other programs. Like she was present for a period of time in the public eye with Ye. Not as much as Ye was, but it's like, you kind of, if you were a fan, knew Donda, had heard Donda, uh, but now you just kind of hear a lot of the uh, talk around, like, Donda this, Donda that. Uh, you hear the stories about her and the relationship she had with Ye, but you don't really get to be part of it. And then to see them interact, and you have this long stretch of her giving him a pep talk when he's at one of his lowest points up to like this point in the documentary, maybe even at this point in his life, and just to see this extended clip where she talks him through what he's feeling, like builds him up, like educates him, is like charming and funny and sweet and just poised and controlled. It's really a beautiful thing. If you see me tearing up, it's just <laughs> like thinking about my own parents, right? And missing them. But uh, like to be able to have that footage and see that dynamic play out uh, is really compelling, right? And it's just something where, with how wonderful Ye is, like there's a, um, there's a point where he gets in a fight with Doug Infinite in the sense that he did an interview and shouted out no ID, but did it shout out Doug Infinite. And Doug gets pissed. And when Ye's coming back to Chicago for something, Doug drops a diss track on Ye. And Ye's just like, what's going on? And he actually pulls up on Doug. And it's not this like, hey, you said this thing, like, blah, 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 blah. He's just like, why? Why, why, why? And he's so emotional. And going about this not in a confrontational way, but in like, I'm sorry, like, I, you mean a lot to me, like, what is this? And they end up going and, like, Doug gives him, like, a pep talk. Like, that's the kind of, like, 
endearing main character Ye is in this first part. So I think fans of Ye are going to be watching this and really enjoying it and maybe even rewatching it just in like the background over and over again because it has that kind of joy to it, even with the sad parts of where you're watching somebody that's extremely likable coming from like far out circumstances to succeed in a way that few do. And that's always compelling. Um, so like very impressed with all of that. Uh, the negative, I think the negative aspects that I have, and I think these are petty in some ways or like due to expectation, right? Because when we have expectations, we tend to build up what this is in our head, what it could be, what we hope it would be. So there's always that hurdle of what you thought it might be and the reality of what it is. And a little bit of getting over the disappointments, right, of the gap that's there. So when I heard this was a documentary, you know, over 20 years in the making, Cootie's following Kanye so closely, they have all this footage. I really thought part one was essentially going to be uh, like Chicago days up through maybe even the passing of Donda, like that kind of time frame, like a nine year, eight year, which gives us like less focus on a specific time, but covers in kind of like detail in some ways, this period from a uh, behind the scenes perspective, right? We're getting to see some of these key moments like the making of Stronger or the initial meeting with Mike Dean, like <laughs> some of these things that we've never really seen before on camera, like on camera or how Ye's reacting to the success of the college dropout, how he's like preparing for late registration, this change from where he's living in New York to where he's living in the aftermath or where he's living in Newark to the aftermath of dropping college dropouts and how his life changes and then between late registration and graduation. So I was building that up in my head. And then it turns out that part one just ends uh, with him getting signed, which is so early in the story, right? That's still 2002. And it hints at the crash. Like it kind of starts getting into the crash, but it's not like formally the crash has happened. I feel like part two is going to pick up with more of what led to the car crash, right? Because you don't even see Ye going out to Los Angeles. It's still like he's in New York, he gets signed, he's on stage, and then you're getting some of the implications of what will come next and like the car crash sound and some of the reports, but you're not actually getting into the details of it yet. It's more like, oh, stick around for part two kind of thing. And it just means that I'm pretty sure part two is going to be just the rest of the making of the college dropouts. And since this documentary is four and a half hours, three parts, hour and a half each, you do the math, right? Part one, part two take place up until 2004 and the release of College Dropouts. That means part three has to cover <laughs> 2004 through 2021. That's such a long, long gap. So, you know, my hope, my expectation was that this was kind of going to be a little bit more of a definitive look from behind the scenes of Kudi and Chike dropping in, you know, every year we're seeing footage from 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, et cetera, et cetera. But some of these reviews, 
uh, looking through the reviews, like the Rolling Stone one sticks to part one. This one here at Variety, this one here at IndieWire, and this one here at AV Club all saw all three parts. And they're... <laughs> Uh, have different varying degrees of how much they spoil the other two parts, which I'm refraining somewhat from getting into the specifics because there are specifics that they talk about in here that I'm now aware of because I read these in preparation to kind of like talk about what critics are saying. And overall, just to that end, critics tend to be pretty like positive on it, especially part one and part two. It's part three where people tend to be a bit more back and forth on how it lands. And that's because it turns out that right after Donda passed, Ye cut off access. So Kudi and Shike just weren't able to get behind the scenes and record. And that may have started some of the implications of what they were saying in here. It seemed that that might have started even earlier, like in the aftermath of the success of the college dropout. There may have been some issues with uh, filming all the time the way they were getting to do before. So it seems like that part three is made up of mostly like auxiliary footage, like uh, public footage that's already available that a lot of us have probably already seen, but it is put together from the perspective of Kudi Chike. Jay Ivey uh, was a writer or helped con construct the story uh, for this as well, which Jay Ivey uh, never let me down, right? Uh, does that great poem on there, poet from Chicago. Uh, so having him be part of this was cool. I didn't realize that uh, in a lot of the run-up to this that he was such a big part of it, so it was kind of cool. Uh, in the aftermath, there was a Q&A uh, that Sundance hosted, so you can kind of see here uh, Kudi Shike, or wait, yeah, uh, and Jay Ivey just kind of sitting up front. Um, and this was like the rest of the team behind them, so awesome but it's, <laughs> um it seems like they didn't have access for 15 years uh to yay until cootie like started talking with yay again in i think they said like 2018 or 2019 2020 2020 that's what it was so around then they start talking again so you have this like pretty big gap so what's interesting is that you do get a lot of behind-the-scenes footage that we had never seen before. Uh, and the story, you know, especially on part one and part two, you're seeing a lot of what Ye talks about in Last Call brought to life. And you can see some of the ways in which Ye embellished things. You can see some of the ways in which he just uh, like was completely honest with how things were going for him or some of the frustrations that he was facing. It is cool to see, like, this nine minute portion or like seven minute portion of spoken word that he does at the end of a song brought to life in this way in like 90 minutes and i'm sure what the other 90 minutes will be like it's just i'll have to get over my initial hope that this was going to be such a like detailed look or we're getting behind the scenes stuff in terms of like oh what will we see from yeezus what will we see from my beautiful dark twisted fantasy Nothing. <laughs> like, it ne at least it seems like nothing from their cameras. I still haven't seen part three. There might be, excuse me, more footage than what these reviews, initial reviews were letting on. But I do think the important thing about part three is that this is still someone, 
like it is still from the perspective of the filmmaker, right? And Kudi and Shike, uh, and then Jay Ivy to an extent as well, know so much about Ye, Ye's story, like him as a person that if I were to try to put this together, if someone in the media were going to try to put this together, like other people that no matter how much they like Ye have been at a distance from him this entire time could never really assemble a story in the way that Kudi and Shike could being beside him for so long as they were. Even if there was a gap where they weren't recording or filming, they still have a perspective and insight that is completely different from most of the people that ever write about Ye, talk about Ye, like make a project like this about Ye. Like you can find a lot of great um, YouTube videos, right? The Most Unruly, Jay Aubrey, Rhythmic Reasons have all done great kind of documentary deep dives on Ye, but it's always outside perspectives. So even though part three is this essentially uh, cobbled together footage from things that we've already seen or known uh, and told to us, it's still something that's put together by people that know Ye and are giving us insight from their perspective of what rings true, what what doesn't. And I think that will be one of the interesting parts. So even though it's not going to live up quite to my ideal hopes for what this documentary would be of being this like, uh, as I said, like never before seen footage from every year of Ye's career, we're still going to be getting insights from Kudi and Shike that nobody else can provide. Uh, going over some of these big points in the story that we all already know about. So I'm very much looking forward to that part of part three and seeing where they go with it and, you know, what happens in the aftermath of this. We know that Ye posted to Instagram a few days ago saying that he won't let this documentary come out or the documentary shouldn't come out without him having final edits and being able to control his own image. So there's a moment where uh, during the Q&A, they're talking about like when the doc will come out and he kind of looks and is like, can we say when it'll come out? And it almost seemed like, yeah, is there going to be any kind of behind the scenes issues? And uh, one of the reviews pointed out that one of the last scenes we see in the documentary, which cover your ears if you don't want this spoil. Okay, I'll cover my ears. And as long as my ears are covered, you should cover your ears. And then once I take my hands away from my ears, you can uncover your ears. Okay, ready? They say one of the last scenes is, this is so hard to talk while doing this, one of the last scenes is Ye signing the contract, agreeing to the documentary coming out. But that seems like it was something done in 2020, or maybe, or 2021, rather than something that was like just days ago. Okay, so it'll just be interesting to see what happens in terms of like, will Ye protest more? Has he been able to watch the full thing at this point? Like, where are we at with everything? But it's clear that despite whatever was going on between Kudi and Shike at times, or between, like, yay Kudi and Shike at times, uh, that there's a lot of love there, like, especially from the narration of Kudi as he's just talking about everything and reflecting on the friendship that he had with Ye. You could tell that he really cares about this story and cares about Ye and, you know, being part of it. Uh, there's a, a reverence for 
not just like yay in that way, right? But for the whole experience and that whole time period and like hip hop and Chicago hip hop and the era of artists that were coming up. I don't know why that's making me tear up, but (laughs) there's just something like really earnest and beautiful about the documentary and how Shike, Cootie, and Jay Ivy put it together. So I'm excited to see part two. I'm excited to see part three. Uh, we still don't have any word on when part two and part three will come out. Like the Rolling Stone article says they'll all drop. <laughs> like in the theater, you'll be seeing the full thing and that they'll all be available on Netflix on the 16th. Uh, but I don't think that's the case. Like Netflix just says part one on the 16th. And I'm pretty sure the movie theater, yeah. Um, the whole thing hits theaters February 10th and drops on Netflix on February 16th. I don't think it's the whole thing, but, um, I think right now the leading idea or theory is that it's one week apart. So part one will drop on the 16th. Part two will drop on the 23rd. Part three will drop February (laughs) sometime in March, uh, that first couple days of March. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I think you'll really like it as well when you're able to watch it. And I'm looking forward to everybody kind of getting to geek out over parts, like find their favorite parts. The thing that actually I love the most is that I didn't realize 2002 Ye was just walking around with a Blade Runner shirt on. Like, I know that Ye loves Blade Runner, especially like Blade Runner 2049, right? He had that tweet in 2020 where he talked about watching Blade Runner all the time, uh, watching Blade Runner 2049 all the time. Uh, And you saw it was on in the background of the Atlanta warehouse that he was working out of on that giant screen that I was so jealous of. But it turns out like 2002 Ye's rocking a Blade Runner shirt. Like he was already a Blade Runner fan. Beautiful. Man, I love that man. <laughs> I just want to have a conversation with Ye about movies. That's all I want to do. Like, watch Blade Runner with him. Watch Blade Runner 2049. Like, I want to sit down with him and watch all of Denis Villeneuve's dis- uh, filmography. Like, could you imagine just getting to watch Prisoners with Ye? <sighs> That'd be awesome. Sicario? Arrival? Ah, uh, Arrival. Imagine the conversation you get to have with Ye about Arrival and language and time and memory. My goodness. Anyway documentary is great <laughs> you'll all be happy watching it though i will say like temper some of the expectations in terms of what content you will get because it's not going to be covering all the things that you want to see covered and if you want that definitive kanye documentary that covers like late registration graduation the exile like 808s and heartbreak and the making of that it seems like that's something that is only going to come from yay and the footage that he's recorded over the years by hiring different videographers. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But uh, that's it for this video. Until next time, stay wavy and keep it loopy. Cheers. And I am, and they ask me, they ask me, they ask me, I tell them. Raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. This is the last call for alcohol for the So get your ass up off the wall. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.